Hello, my friends, guys and girls. I'm going to take a sup of my water. 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 I'm... I am... I am... Uh, what's the word? Consciously making myself say water. Like, pronounce my T's. Because I've gotten into the habit of speaking like a yank by saying water. I've got to get my water. Like that, water. But it's not water. Where am I from? Boston. Boston, Boston, no, it's Boston, Dublin. I I say water, water. So that's what uh, my my my. That's what I want to do for the next week. <sighs> Good old tap water in a Valvik bottle. I've had the same bottle of Valvik I walk around with for the last two months. <laughs> People go, oh, watch my man there with the Volvic. But the Volvic. Look at Shane. He must be fucking raking it in from the podcast. Look at him walking around the bottle of Volvic. That's Shane Clifford there, man. Look at him. <laughs> he was walking around with fucking with, uh, Tesco. Tesco spring water there last year. But look at him now. He's after going on to the Volvic. And that's a good trick that you can play as well on people. You can... Get a fancy bottle of water. You don't even have to buy it. Just go to like a, a dump or go into somebody's bins who is richer than you. Get out a bottle of Volvic. Now, you don't want to, what you want to do is you want to see, because you don't want people to think that you're absolutely loaded where they start looking into your finances. So you don't want to go straight for the San Pellegrino. You want to build up to the San Pellegrino. First, you go... All right, you, you walk around, you got your Tesco bottle of vodka, or vodka, Jesus, Tesco bottle of water, or your Dunn's one, whatever it is, spar, Sp- your spar one, and, you know, then you get, you rob a Volvic one from a, some rich person's, middle class person's bin, and then you walk around with that for a year, people start going, watch my man, you know, and then maybe next year or two years down the line, you work your way up to the San Pellegrino. Then you start walking around with that and maybe get you know, one of your dad's jumpers tied around your shoulders. People go, Jesus, what happened to him? He's after, <laughs> he's after a fucking, you know, raking it in. He's, he's, he's hit the gold mine with that podcast. <laughs> and then you can't smile either anymore or talk. You have to wear sunglasses you can't let people get too close because then they'll see that they're just like spec savers. They're not Ray-Ban. And you can't smile because you can't let see people see that you still got poor people teeth. But they'll they, they, they'll be like a magician. It's misdirection. You flash that Volvic in their face and they will be astounded. They'll think that you're the next Jeff Bezos. That, that guy's got 200 billion. Imagine having 200 billion. And people say it's it's evil, which it is. It's inherently evil for one person to have that amount of money when there is so much strife and hunger and war and famine and disease in the world. But um, still, though, imagine having 200 billion. You'd be just laughing your whole laugh all day long. <laughs> Wouldn't you? I mean, I know it's evil, but you would be laughing your whole laugh all day long. If you had 200 billion, I mean... I mean, it's unthinkable to have that much money. I would be getting up every morning at seven o'clock, tap dancing around my kitchen, like actually tap dancing. I would have paid 
for the last six months to learn how to do tap dancing by, you know, Fred Astaire's grandson. And then they'll say, wait a minute, Fred Astaire's grandson, he doesn't actually know how to dance. Just because he's Fred Astaire's dancer, he doesn't know how to dance. He's not going to be able to teach you how to dance. Well, then I'll say, do you know what? I want to be, still want to be taught by Fred Astaire's grandson how to tap dance. So, you know what I want? <laughs> I'm going to fucking pay for him to become an expert at it first. That's, imagine being that rich that you pay for Fred Astaire's grandson to dance to learn to dance so he can teach you how to dance just so that you can say that you are taught by Fred Astaire's grandson now that is rich that's how rich Jeff Bezos is if you want I mean he's probably got other things that he spends his money on that's just an example of me wanting to tap dance around the kitchen in the morning from being that rich like you could I mean you could buy you could buy anything you could go down to the shop and you see two packs of um, hobnobs or Beckvitties digestives, two for the price of, you know, two for three euro. You'd be like, you know what, I'm going to buy three because I'm that rich. I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy the whole shelf of biscuits. <laughs> I mean, that would be living the dream, wouldn't it? Um, but it is evil to have that much money, I suppose. But still, though. Anyway, how are you getting on? Welcome to Shane's Brilliant Podcast with me, your host, your fabulous host, Shane Clifford. As we, we've previously established, this is the number one podcast in Ireland now, and it has been for the last 20 years. It's been uh, retroactively named as the best podcast of all time in Ireland by the president of Ireland. And Michael, Michael D. Higgins, he personally met me, gave me a medal, said that Shane, this is the best podcast, the number one podcast in ratings of all time. So, you know, uh, welcome aboard and thanks for tuning in. It is the 10th of September. And this week was a big week for the youngsters of Ireland. The young fellas getting their... And the young girls getting their leaving cert results. If you're from outside of Ireland, a leaving cert, how do you explain the leaving cert? If you're from America, it's like the SATs, I think. I don't know what the SATs are. I mean, they wonder why we think Americans are stupid, right? (laughs) Or why they're known as being stupid around the world, like a stereotype. Like our stereotype is that we're drunks and alcoholics and you know, wife beaters, but their stereotype is that they're stupid. Um, but when you see their SATs, because I've seen it in TV shows and stuff, and all it is is multiple choice. <laughs> That's their fucking leaving cert, man. Multiple choice. Ameri- imagine an American had to do the actual leaving cert. It would be worse than Vietnam. <laughs> be worse than Vietnam and the Iraq War combined. It's in a way it is like, you know, like American in the 70s, American uh, boys grew up to become, you know, Vietnam. That was their coming of age thing. They went to Vietnam, they fought and they came back and they all had PTSD. In a way, the Irish version of that is the leaving cert, because when they come back from Vietnam, they have all they're waking up in the middle of the night screaming, oh, Johnny's face got blown up by a 
bum, you know, an IED, blah. You know, I was I held these eyeballs in my fingers, right? Well, we have those same dreams in Ireland about the leaving cert. You know? <laughs> We're like, oh, I, felt, I held Johnny's eyeballs in my hand. His face exploded right in front of me and I got a D in history. Ah! <laughs> like, I, I, like, I still, I had a night, I never really have leaving cert nightmares, but I had one last week where I'm sitting there doing the exam and I don't know anything. I'm just completely blank. Because in Ireland, right, the leaving cert, your whole life, from the second you're born, the doctor goes, fucking study for your leaving cert, man. I'll tell you, start studying early. That's what he says when, he comes, when you come out of the birth canal. He, he slips you out. He slaps you on the arse. You start crying. He say, and he goes, you're fucking crying now. Wait, you'll be crying if you don't start studying for your leaving cert. Your whole life is leading up to this one point in Ireland. Uh, the, the, the pressure of it. If you fuck up your leaving cert, this is what you're told subliminally and liminally from childhood. If you fuck up your leaving cert, if you don't do well, you are you are useless. You are worse than useless. It's your life is finished. That's basically what they what it's like. So you know, the pressure on like a 16, 17 year old boy or girl that have to do their leaving cert. It's immense, really. But yeah, but it's crazy. I think it's, I mean, it's stupid. They should get rid of it, obviously. I failed my leaving cert. I think I told you before. Failed past maths, which is, like I said before, it fucking says pass in, in the thing, in the name. And I still failed it. <laughs> and I got a, a, an E or whatever the fail thing is. So when you, if you fail Irish, English, I don't know if it's the same now, but it was when I did it in 2003. If you fail Irish, English or maths, then basically you fail your leave insert. Like you can fail history and still your count towards your points. But if you fail one of those three, the big three, Irish, English or maths, you are, you're going to hell, basically. <laughs> like when I was growing up, always in the back of your head was the leave insert, the leave insert, the leave insert, the leave insert. Like how old are you now? How old are you now, Shane? Oh, I'm um, I'm turning six on Friday. I'm getting a, a, a Captain Planet car, and I'm getting the Ghostbusters. Um, I'm getting the Ghostbusters uniform and Slimer doll. Oh yeah, that's brilliant. You're getting so big. Don't forget to fucking study for your leaving cert. Lake Isle of Inish Free by WB Yates. I want all... <laughs> I want a 10-page essay on comparative, comparing WB Yates' Lake Isle of Inish Free with Sylvia Plath's oeuvre. All right, you know, it's crazy. Like your parents, some parents sit you down. At the age of 14, they sit you down in a the room. They go... Uh, little Danny, sit down, you're 14 now. And I just want you to know that we know that you're coming up to the leave insert in a couple of years. 
and we know it's a lot of pressure on you and just want to let you know that as well as the pressure of having your life ruined if you don't do well in it me and your mother have decided that if you do not get the enough points to do the course that you like to do we are getting a divorce and it will be your fault <laughs> We it, you know, it will be your fault, and we're just telling you. So study, start studying now, because we will divorce. And you know that's happened all over the country. It's way too much pressure on teenagers, because when you're a teenager, you don't really, you're not thinking about what career. I mean, you are. Some people are thinking about what career they want. They're like, I want to be a teacher. That's what everybody says. I want to be a teacher. I want to be a doctor. But when you're fucking 17, you're a moron. They're idiots. 17, look, go on TikTok and look what 17-year-olds are doing. They're idiots. How do you expect a 17-year-old to fully be able to comprehend what they uh, want for the rest of their life? You know? A 17-year-old doesn't know what they want for breakfast. They never know what they want to do to spend the rest of their life doing. But anyway, it's a joyous time. (laughs) When the results are out, I went to get my results and I knew I'd failed. My mother didn't even come with me. She knew I'd failed. I came back. She said, well, how, how'd you get on? I failed. She went, all right. And that was that. Failed maths. Life ruined. Then I spent a full year unemployed, living at home. Well, you know, in Tralee, while all my friends were gone to Cork and Dublin and Limerick and Galway. And... I used to wake up every day at about two or half two in the afternoon, smoke a joint, the old wake and bake, smoke a joint, stay in bed till about half five, six o'clock. So what I'm saying is that even though I failed my leaving today, I was still fucking cool. (laughs) I was still a legend. You know, what a legend, man. Waking up every day, I might have smelled very bad, smelled very bad. My mother might have been very upset every single minute of the day with me but I was still I was still cool you can't deny that that's cool the failure leave insert and then smoke joints in bed for a full year (laughs) but it wasn't all so bad because then I got a job in Tesco in a supermarket and people looked down on uh, you know I suppose especially when um, maybe not I don't know if it's the same now but and when I started in Tesco, people sort of looked down on that job as being inferior to, let's say, a doctor. And let's face it, it is. <laughs> it is. A, a doctor was a bad example to pick. It was a bad comparison because, you know, if we're in a life or death situation, someone falls, has a massive heart attack or gets something lodged in their windpipe. And somebody goes, hey, is there anyone here? Is anyone here a doctor? Sir, we need a doctor here. A doctor. I'll say, hey. I'm not a doctor, but I can pack out six cases of bananas in less than two minutes. How about... (laughs) I do have that skill. I can pack out fucking... Wait, I can rotate care pinks, like, to bait the bands. Um, So that was a bad comparison. So what... But but my point is that I found that working in a supermarket wasn't... Was actually... I mean, kind of good for me because if I had gotten a job let's say in computers or something 
I would have probably just been sitting on my own in the in the office. Because when you have a job like that, you don't really need to talk to anybody, you know. You can just sit there and work away by yourself. And that's probably what would have happened. But when I got a job in a supermarket, I was kind of forced to interact with customers and people. Um, so it was, in a way, that kind of a job where I'm interacting with people all day long brought me out of my shell very slowly. I didn't speak to, to a soul in the first three years, I would say. You know, I was known as the quiet guy with the bad moustache. Um, <laughs> I didn't speak to anyone, pretty much. But eventually I did. It kind of, I came out of my shell. Um, so I don't think that would have been possible if I did go into an office job. Um, so what I'm trying to say is that if you are, because I, I know this podcast is very big in in teenage circles and the teenage demographic in Ireland. You know, it's the hip happening, hot new show in town. It's in, it was on, um, it was in the Irish Times hot section. Shane's brilliant podcast, the number one podcast in Ireland, massive among teenagers. It's all they talk about in the club in between when they're playing Maniac 2000. Um, what I'm trying to say is, if there are any young people listening to this for some fucking reason, and you didn't do too good in your leaving cert. All that stuff that they were telling you when you were growing up that you need it and that you're going to be fucked if you don't do it. I'm telling you that I'm telling you now, 92.5% of that is complete and utter bullshit. You know, it just is. It's like because once you get past that, people who go and I know someone who did really well in their leaving cert and went to um, college, went to, did law, dropped out, then did, I think, psychology, dropped out and then ended up working in Tesco with me anyway. So it doesn't really make a difference. So my point, you know, some people just take longer to get to where it is that they should be. And if you're listening to this and you're worried about, you know, what you're going to do with your life, well, you know, don't worry because look at me. I failed my leave insert and now here I am 15 years later recording <laughs> sitting in my dark in the room talking into a sock to very few people <laughs> so don't give up your dreams is what I'm saying you, you, sometimes my videos get over 100 views over 100 views and that is something you know, if you told me that when I was in sixth year, I wouldn't have believed you at all. I would have said, you're a liar. I would have said, who do you think you are? What, how do you know? Where, what, do you have a time machine or something? Where, where, Who are you? Why are you telling me this? Huh? What's YouTube? That's what I would have said. <laughs> a what? A, a podcast? What are you talking about? Who are you? So don't worry. And I think life just works out. <laughs> Life can only happen one way, in my opinion. I know people are like, oh, you know, it could have been this way, it could have been that. No, I think it, you know, it can only ever happen one way. So whatever way it happens, it was never going to happen the other way. You know, you make a choice, let's say. Well, that's the choice you made. It wasn't like, oh, it's not like sliding doors where there's another version of you gone off that made it, that took a left. And now they're the president of Thailand. 
You know, that's I don't think that's the real world. And I'm getting deep into f- philosophy here and free will. And, you know, because I am a, <laughs> I am a guru. Once you have a podcast, you become a guru. Once you talk to your talk every week, you become knowledgeable on all sorts of subjects that you just look up on YouTube the week before. And so that's what I'm talking about. Now, I am a philosopher and you will eventually come to realize that. But do you know who I feel sorry for this Leaving Cert, apart from all the Leaving Cert students who couldn't go out and party? Like that's a coming of age thing in Ireland if you're not Irish. That's I'm just explaining. That's what sort of, a, you know, going out on Leaving Cert results night, going getting absolutely hammered in a pub or in my case in a field because my friends are all a year younger than me. And I was the only one there <laughs> drinking in a field on a Friday night or a Monday night or whatever it was with my friends who were still in school and me out of school and being the only one that did his leaving cert and failed it. So it was a fucking what a party, man. But I feel sorry for it because now all the pubs closed so they can't go out and do that. And another um, demographic that I feel sorry for is uh, perverts. Because that was a rite of passage for perverts too <laughs> to go out every leaving cert results night and perv on the young boys and girls. And now they're just sitting at home. Those perverts are sitting... That's the the, un, the the sad thing about this lockdown. The, the forgotten perverts who have nowhere to perv anymore. Because there's nobody around to perv on. And now you might think to yourself, Wait, what about YouTube? Or you porn and Pornhub and, you know, all, you know Instagram and all that. You know, it's the internet. But I'm talking about the old school perverts. I'm talking about your neighborhood perverts. You know what I mean? Who don't, who can barely use a phone. I'm talking about those guys. I'm talking about, you know, the the pervert next door. He's over 60. He he was every, it's like leaving cert results night for 50 plus, age 50 plus perverts is like Christmas. That's their Christmas. And that's been taken away from them as well. (laughs) because of this pandemic so let's um, say a prayer for the perverts who couldn't go out and you know just stand around in the corner of a pub or a nightclub at two o'clock in the morning where they shouldn't really be uh, drinking pints of Guinness in a nightclub that's been sprayed out of one of those spray things Um, we shouldn't forget the forgotten people even though that's how they are forgotten because we forgot them so in a way the only way we can forget remember the forgotten people as if we forget them in the first place um what did you do this weekend did you get up to anything exciting um not this weekend obviously last weekend it's thursday when you're listening to this or wednesday night or whatever fucking time i put it out but did you get up to anything i'll tell you something about me i have gone through something of a life change i wouldn't call it a life change just yet but I'm on the road to a life change. There was a big, I don't know if you've heard of this thing that happened at the start of the year there called the pandemic. And what the pandemic did to me personally was it allowed me to revert back to uh, that year between failing to leave and start and getting a job in Tesco Chirley Square. Um, uh, I started drinking every night, started smoking illegal and dubious plants 
that make me get up at three o'clock in the morning to eat some cheese puffs to make toast and jam at half four. Not for breakfast. I wasn't getting up for breakfast and making ham and cheese toast, no matter what I said to Kira. And, you know, I was listening to the Beatles on repeat. Getting a bit of, you know, I reverted back. I use it as an excuse to to waste time. And as the pandemic and the lockdown went on, I didn't stop. <laughs> so the last week I've decided, look, all right, no more of that. No drinking, no, um, no, no harmful plants that destroy your mind and no... Um, eating really bad stuff and getting a bit of exercise going to bed at 12 at the latest and reading books you know i started reading but i stopped kind of reading books properly i was i picked up lolita by vladimir nabokov which is a book if you don't know about a dirty dirty pedophile but he's a charming pedophile. he's a char he's one of the charming ones so it's not too bad humber tumber Humber, humber. Um, but I've only read two pages. It's all right so far. You know, I haven't, like I said, it's not a life change. I haven't fucking, I'm not, after turning into Bill Gates. I saw a thing about Bill Gates. He can read like six books in a day. Fucking freak. What a freak. Imagine being able to read six books in a day. I bet you he got bullied and he deserved it. <laughs> um, but, but anyway, my life, uh, I've, I've made a big life change. And there's other things that I've stopped doing too that are more personal in nature and regard me being alone with my trousers down. But aside from that, what the what has happened is that my mind has maybe been a bit clearer than it has been in the last six months. I've opened up my eyes to things that maybe I was missing out on. And that I was neglecting. So what I decided to do was surprise Kira, the wonderful Kira, the uh, girl who has stuck by me through thick and thin, mostly thin. <laughs> I mean, when you fucking face it, mostly thin. I'm thick. But the situation is thin. You know? <laughs> she stuck me through thick and thin at the same fucking time. And so I said, you know what I'll fucking do? I'll book, I'll book a book, a book a restaurant. And she, her jaw hit the floor. She had to take a seat. I had to get a ma. I had to get a a, a, a fucking cloth and put it over her head. <laughs> I had to put smelling salts under her nose. And this is a great tip that I'm going to give all the boys out there now who are in relationships. Here's a good tip for you. If you want to get into the good books with your, with the lady in your life. Or the other boy. Hi, Georgie. Um, here's the tip. You go into your relationship and what you do for maybe two or three years is you do nothing. You don't do anything romantic. Not one bit of romance. You don't take her out. You don't buy flowers. You don't buy chocolates. No romance. You don't cut your toenails. You don't brush your teeth. You don't clean out your ears. You don't provide oral pleasure 
to the woman, you just, you know, do nothing. Be selfish. All uh, right. But she thinks you're being selfish. But in the back of your head, you know, there's a plan. And this is the plan. Then after about three years, you go, hey, I booked a table for Sunday evening. She will be so fucking happy <laughs> because it would be so out of the blue and it'll be even better than if you were doing it regularly. You know what I mean? If you're doing it regularly, if you're going in there, giving her flowers every week, giving her um, chocolates and, you know, d- doing whatever it is that romantic people do. I can't even name what romantic people do. Then she's going to be used to it. She's going to be saying, oh, yeah, great, thanks. She's going to like it. She's going to love it, but she's going to be like expecting it. And it's not going to be a big surprise when you do it. So that's my tip to you. That's my Shane's top tip. If you want to have a good relationship, be a cunt for about three or four years and then whap, smack him with a table reservation and you will be in the good books for a long time. Uh, That's uh, coming out in my forthcoming book, Shane Clifford's Guide to Love. Um, And then there's Shane Clifford's Guide to Love Making, which will be out too, but I'll be top shelf. And that'll be that'll cost sixty nine nine sixty nine sixty nine because I'm that's how much of a fucking comedian I am. I put a joke even in the prices. So anyway, listen, book the hotel and or a fucking hotel, not a hotel. I didn't book a. <laughs> not that much of a dirty bastard. Hey, I booked a hotel tomorrow noon. I got us a room. <laughs> Don't tell your husband. I booked a table. Um, one of the things that has stopped me from booking a table, really, and booking anything and doing a lot of things, is you having to use the phone to do it. Like, I have a giant growth on my testicle. It's nearly the size of my testicle now. It's, you know what I mean? It's got its own, it's got its own thing going on down there. And I haven't ringed the doctor yet because I'm too embarrassed to just ring. I'm not embarrassed about what's on my testicles. I'm embarrassed to phone the doctor. I just, what is it about making phone calls that's harder than actually, you know, just even seeing someone in person? Why is that hard? I mean, it's the same thing, really. You're just on the phone. It should be easier because you don't have to wear any pants. So what is it? Like I have friends who I've grown up with for twenty years or more. Some some of them, and we te- we communicate every day or every few days or whatever. And I don't think we've rang each other once. Not once have we had conversation on the phone. The most that we've rang each other is to say this: ring, 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 ring. Hello, I'm outside. All right, <laughs> that's it. The I'm outside. That's all we've done. Like I have a friend who got married and he texted saying, hey man, got got engaged. And then reply, oh, cool, man. You know, like a lot of people that would warrant a conversation. But no, man, fuck that. I have another friend whose mother passed away. He texts me, hey, man, bad news. My mother died. And I text back, oh, shit, man, bad one. You know, like 
and it was um, like that's accepted in my friend group because I know that he didn't go oh I text Shane say my mom you know passed away and he all he did was send a message he didn't even ring that didn't happen if I had rang him saying hey shit man that's bad news do you want to have a chat about it that would have been worse for him than his mother's death (laughs) that would have put him in a more awkward position than the death of his mother you know that's how bad phone calls are like the only time I've rang my friends was I rang my friends one time making a prank going uh hey man how's it going hi Shane what's going on are you all right yeah, I was just ringing for a chat. You know, just how how are you getting on, man? Just said I'd ring for a chat. And then they're like, what? And then you go, I'm only messing, man, as if. Talk to you later. You're throwing an as if. As if. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. As if. As if. Time to bring that back. Bring it back the as if. So, I found this thing online called Open Table, which is a place, a thing that you can book to or you can use and it's amazing you can go onto it right you pick your city you say hey i want a table and it gives you a list of all the rest available restaurants then you choose a time and um, a day and it's booked that's it open table you should try it and that now i know that sounded a bit like an ad for open table but i promise you i'm not sponsored by anyone that's not hashtag spawn con that was just me telling you about a good service and to prove it that it's not spawn con i'll say this fuck open table <laughs> fuck them fuck open table you think this is spawn con fuck open table you fucking cunt so booked at the table and we went on our uh, our date night, as it's called. And that's something that I have to talk about. I um, despise the phrase date night. Despise with a, with a passion that knows no bounds, with a passion that the passion that uh, Jack and Rose had in the titanic that is the same passion but inverted into hate that i have for the phrase date night uh it's an american phrase and it has steeped into irish culture now if you know me i don't give a fuck about irish culture really i've talked about it before i don't care about like old um old saying you know what are they called folk tales just doesn't it's not it's just not what i like i don't care Particularly, I don't care if people like them. I don't care if people don't. I personally couldn't give a shit. But I do not. There's something about Americanism sleeping into our culture that just absolutely rubs me up the wrong way. Rubs me up from bottom to top. Like, you know, what are we going to be? We're all going to be walking around soon with our Stetson hats and our spurs and our jingling and jangling and our Smith and Wessons going to be walking into, uh, you know, the pub. They're not even going to be called pubs anymore. They're going to be called saloons. Going to walk in there. Hey, can I get a, a a glass of beer? Can I get a glass of beer, please? On on tap. Can I get a bottle? A bottle? A bottle of water for the baby shower? Yeah, I went to a fucking baby shower. Fucking baby shower. 
There was no such thing as baby showers when I was growing up. You know? And date night. First of all, dating only came into Ireland in the last five years or so. Me and Kira met 12 years ago and dating was um, not, it wasn't a date. We met, we just met for drinks. We met in the first night, got pissed, ended up shifting each other. Then about two weeks later, met again on a night out, shifted each other, texted each other, met and many more nights out. And then we were a girlfriend and boyfriend. Did we go on any dates? No. Dating is not a part of my life and it never will be. No kids of mine are ever going to go on a date. Where are you going? I'm going on a date with... No, you're not. Where are you going? I'm just going to the cinema with a girl. That's fine. Like... Another thing about the phrase date night is that it's in... I know what it's about. I know what it's for and I agree with it. Sometimes, especially in modern life... Things can get too hectic. You don't have time to spend time with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your husband or your wife. You're too much going on at work. You've too many fucking podcasts to record. You've got your missing cat. You've got, um, you know, you you have to play Rainbow Six with your mates. (laughs) And you don't, you kind of lose... It can make you lose touch with each other and with spending time together. That can happen in modern relationships. I understand all that. All right. But if you're already in a relationship with a person, then you're not going on a fucking date. They're not called dates, my friend. They're just going somewhere with your wife. You know what I mean? You're going, where did you go last night? I went on a date with my wife. Wrong. Uh, uh, this is me teaching English to foreign students. Hey, where did you go last night on your date? We're doing role play. I went to a date night with my wife. Wrong. Uh, uh, you, where did you go last? What did you do last night? I went to a restaurant with my wife. Very good. You don't go on dates with your wife. You go places with your wife. You went to the cinema with your wife or your husband. Dating is not... First of all, like dating isn't even in our culture. Second of all, you cannot go on date with somebody that you're already in a relationship with. And that is a fact. And may if you even try to come here <laughs> and tell me otherwise, I will give you a truly hello. And a truly hello isn't like um, a headbutt or anything. It's just me going, well, man. <laughs> hey, did you say fucking date night? You can't go on a date night with your wife. Did you say that, Shane? Well, but <laughs> that's what'll happen. Um, but anyway, look, we went to this place, and one of the downsides of booking a place online that you don't know or you know what where it is or what it's like is that you don't know what it's like. So we showed up at this place. It was in George Street in Dublin. And I didn't know it was going to be completely full of young, handsome, good-looking people aged 21 to 23 taking fucking pictures of their dinner. I didn't know that we were going to be 
going to a place that's popular with people who, you know, were born after I did the ju- before after I did the junior cert. You know, I didn't know it was going to be like that. So we went in. The fucking lady at the the hostess or whatever they call them, she was looking at us, going, Gee, uh, "Sorry, hi, yeah, where are you, where are you looking for? Where is it? I'll give you directions." <laughs> We're like, "Oh no, it's here. It's uh, I have a reservation under Shane Clifford." Oh, 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 and then she looked around, and I swear to God, right up the front of the hotel, there was a lot of empty seats, and there was a lot of good-looking young people, influencer types, and. She said, follow me. And she took us all the way down to the back. Now, that was also a plot line in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Last season, season 10. Larry noticed that all the handsome people were at the front and he and his friends were pushed to the back. So maybe I was still thinking of that and that was on my mind. But I swear to God, it, it actually happened. And I'm not saying me and Kira are ugly. I'm just saying we're old. We were put down the back, right sitting in front of the toilets. Every time a handsome person took a shit, I got a waft of it in my face while I was trying to eat my dinner. And I know, I worked in retail, man. I know what goes on. I know you put the horrible, ugly, smelly people in the back store. (laughs) I know that. You know? Prince Charming is going working, Prince Charming is going working on the tills. The hunchback in Notre Dame is taking the stuff off the trucks in the back. That's just a fact of of life. I understand. What I'm saying is if I knew that this was the way it was going to be, I wouldn't have booked it. No. We got our food. And it was lovely. I I can't fault the food. I got chicken wings covered in cheese, man. Have you ever heard of that before? Chicken wings, right? Covered in melted cheese. And then you dip it into a cheese sauce. They were the nicest chicken wings I've ever had. And I had risotto. Then we didn't want dessert. Kira said, you know what? I'd like a cocktail. And you know what I said? I'd like a cocktail too. Because I like cocktails. I do. I like cocktails. Cocktails are traditionally viewed as a woman's drink. Okay? As being feminine. As not being masculine. As being, you know, cocktail have two Y chromosomes. I don't know if that's the right one for female or what, but you know what I'm talking about. Do the research yourself, please. <laughs> um, But I like cocktails. And you know what? I'm going to admit it here on the fucking podcast, the biggest podcast in the world, that I enjoy I enjoy cocktails that are fruity and red bright red pink with fucking umbrellas in them I like them I like them I like them a lot okay but the problem is when you're booking or when you're ordering one of those really girly cocktails is that they all have feminine names they're all called uh, you know the empress of the orient or you know, clitoris tickler or something like that. You know what I mean? Or, you know, can I get a, a you know, a, a lick out? One of them's called a lick out. I mean, come on. The one that I wanted 
was a Prosecco-based cocktail called <laughs> Amor, Amori. Kira ordered an espresso martini, which was probably the most manliest cocktail, even though that's an oxymoron, and manliest cocktail on the menu. Okay? We're, 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 with our fluids, with our alcoholic fluids, we are gen- gender alcoholic fluid. That's what I'm talking about. So, the waitress came down. I said, yeah, can I, uh, Kira said, can I get an espresso martini? I said, can I get an Amore, please? She, she looked at me, like did a double take, like from a cartoon. What? Like that. Her eyes popped out of her head. What? And she went, okay. And she went up talking to the manager and looking down at us like like we were suspected fugitives in a mo- an American movie where we're getting chased after robbing money. Do you know where they're sitting down at a table inside in a restaurant and they look over and they see the waiter pointing them out talking to the manager. That's what happened after I ordered a cocktail. Minutes went by getting the waft of, you know, young, fresh feces in my face. And urine. And finally the cocktails came. Now the guy who brought down the cocktails. The only way I can describe him uh, is hunky. Beefy. Brawny. He had one of those unnatural bodies. You know people make fun of women for getting augmented breasts. And big fake arses. And you know lip fillers and all that stuff but have you seen these guys with the big giant muscles like that is not normal that is not natural that is not uh the body is not supposed to look like that the human body there's no fucking guy out in the savannas of africa twenty thousand years ago that every time he wanted to move his neck he had to turn his whole body like robert de niro and the irishman you know what i mean anyway he was one of those guys he was a hunk he was a young fucking hunk He was probably fucking riding six women every weekend. You know, he's one of those guys. And he came down. He had the Amore in one hand and he had the Espresso Martini in the other. And the Amore, the Espresso Martini was brown, dark brown and with a white top. Looked a little bit like stout. The Amore was pink with a strawberry on it and uh, umbrella and one of those like a little feather little multicolored feather coming out of it. And he came down and he goes, handing me the espresso martini. I said, no, no, sorry, the the other one's mine. And he went, excuse me? I said, that's my one. And he was, stood back. He took a step back. He recoiled in horror. And then he went, no, that must be a mistake. He tried to make a joke. Th- th- that must be a mistake. They must both be for her. ha, ha, ha. <laughs> did I laugh no I sat there with stony faced and he eventually put the drink in front of me but people were looking over he embarrassed me in front of my girlfriend <laughs> he emasculated me he tried to make me feel like less of a man because I like women's cocktails you know I like women's cocktails that's just why <sighs> If you, like, I wouldn't have one with the boys because I would be too embarrassed. Like, if they got all got pints, pints of Guinness, Carlsberg, you know, whatever, uh, you know, some fucking shitty, horrible IPA, and then I got uh, sex on the beach, I, I wouldn't do that. But I wish I could. I wish I could. Because I do like 
certain things that are traditionally women, and I'm using air quotes here. You know, I didn't actually use the air quotes because this is a non-visual medium, so there was actually no need. But imagine that I did the air quotes there, and I meant to do them there if, in my own head too. Traditionally female um, things I like. We've already established I like cocktails. Uh, I've talked maybe, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago how sometimes at night I put on Kira's pajama bottoms because they're a lot more comfortable than lying in bed with my jean, my skinny black jeans. I just like women's things. You know, I take, I don't wear condoms for contraception. I take the pill, you know, and it's worked so far. I sit with my legs crossed and that has been something that people have made fun of me for a long time when I was growing up, sitting with my legs crossed. People are like, ah, what's your mom? Not sitting like a girl. <laughs> That's just how I like to be. I'm not afraid to admit that there are some parts of me that are more feminine than is socially acceptable. You know what I mean? Um, but this guy in this restaurant, he tried to belittle me. I stormed out of there in a rage you know I said come on Kira we're going home we're going home and we're getting a bottle of Prosecco and we're watching Selling Sunset because I am not happy with that man <laughs> but what do you think of that hmm? if you're a man or if you're a, a woman would you look down and let's say you went on a first date with somebody with a guy a Tinder date and you saw that he was drinking, he, he got like a, a strawberry daiquiri as his drink. Would you think less of him? Hmm? If you were a, a, a guy and you met workmates out for a few pints and it was your first time all meeting up and one of them showed up and he bought, you know, a gin fizz <laughs> or you know something like that some pink fucking thing would you look down on him you know I think you would wouldn't you you Neanderthal so that happened and you know for that reason I would never take Kira to a restaurant ever again that guy ruined it for her <laughs> And another weird thing happened to me on Sunday. I was standing outside H&M while Kira was in there because I was being a bad boyfriend. I will admit at that point, I was like, Kira, I just don't want to go in there. Can I just wait here? She was like, uh, are you sure? I was like, yeah. And I admit I was, it was a weak moment. I was being a bad boyfriend. I was standing outside with all the dads, all the cool dads being bad boyfriends, standing outside looking at their phones while their girlfriends walk around inside. I was, be I had become a parody of what I actually was and I was just standing there and oh out of the corner of my eye I see a guy fall into me right now this fella was you know the phrase three sheets to the wind this guy had about 15 sheets and they were all in there in the hurricane he had so many fucking sheets in the wind he had no sheets left at home. The people were like, you know, where are your sheets, man? 
I was like, ah, he was like, ah, they're all gone to the wind. Fucking hurricane, tornado came and took all my sheets, blew them all away. That's how fucked he was. He couldn't stand. And he fell into me. And what do you do in that situation? You move out of the way, right? I moved out of the way. He fucking started giving out to me for, oh, you're trying to fucking run away from me. You're trying to fucking run away from me. And I was standing. Nobody else seemed to be looking. Nobody seemed to look up from their phone or anything. This was like something out of a David Lynch film because what he did next, he put his hand on his pants and pulled out a roll of cling film. And he started poking me with it, following me around, going, you know, I'm trying to fuck you, fucking, I'll fucking kill you, boy, remember who you are. Poking at me in the belly with a roll of cling film in the centre of Dublin. And nobody looked. Kira was inside the shop. Nobody saw it. He started poking me in the belly. Now, I should have done, when you have a belly like mine, there's a thing you can do that if you train hard enough, you can actually grab onto things with your belly. So I should have done that. But I didn't. And I was going, leave me alone. <laughs> and he wouldn't leave me alone. He kept poking me with it. And fucking mumbling. And then I turned around and when I turned back, he had disappeared. He was gone into the ether. It was a strange thing. It's something that n- never happened to me before. And it was like, a, like I said, like a David Lynch thing. It was like out of Mulholland Drive. I'd probably be dying in 50 years and I'll just see him stick his head in the door and wink at me or something. And I'll try and figure out he was the meaning of life, you know, like in a like in Twin Peaks or something. But um, yeah, anyway, that was my weekend. And then we watched Zodiac, you know, Zodiac movie about the Zodiac killer, which is a good film. Um, really good film. Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo, a very male-oriented film. That film came out in 2007. I can't believe it's that long ago, 13 years ago. Jesus Christ. And came out the same year as... There was three huge films that year for me. And they were Zodiac, There Will Be Blood, and No Country for Old Men. They all came out around the same time. And looking at them now, they're all very fucking male films, aren't they? There's no women in any of them. <laughs> like, there are no women in any of those three films. Um, but Zodiac is good. Me and Kira watched it over three nights because Kira falls asleep after 20 minutes when she's watching a movie because um, she's so tired from work, you know. But uh, yeah, it's a good film. But it follow what happened. It's kind of got, uh, one of the, the main issue with it is that it follows the story of the Zodiac killer very faithfully, which is good. But the, it takes place over like 20 years. And the Zodiac Killer only killed people in over the space of a few months. So all the killings happen in the first like half an hour. And the film is nearly three hours long. So all the exciting stuff happens in the first half an hour. Now you might say, Shane, that's sick to say that murders are exciting. But in the medium of film, unfortunately, that's the fucking reality. Murders and death and killing are exciting. So the rest of the film is them trying to solve a case that you know yourself, if you know anything about the Zodiac, isn't going to be solved. <laughs> but it's still really good, you know, it's more about obsession. And then I got into, like, breaking my fucking thing of going to bed early and reading classic Russian literature about perverts and paedophiles. I 
stayed up on my fucking phone like an idiot on Redis trying to solve the fucking Zodiac. You know, <laughs> like if you don't know who the Zodiac is, you, you, you must do. But if you don't, he was this serial killer in California around San Francisco in the late 60s, 1969, mostly. And he murdered, he murdered uh, two people, two two couples. Well, no, he, three couples he attacked and he killed the first couple, he killed a woman in the second couple and injured the man. And in the third couple, he killed a woman and injured the man again. And then he killed a taxi driver. So he killed one, two, three, four, five people and he badly injured two, right? All over the the the, the um, space of a year or so. But what makes him sort of infamous and popular amongst serial killer aficionado, true crime aficionados is that he used to write letters to the press and to the cops and stuff and he gave him his own name the Zodiac he called himself the Zodiac and he sent them ciphers sort of like codes like little with all symbols and he was like break the code it'll tell you who I am and he sent three codes Overall, or three or four, anyway, I can't remember exactly how many. And they cracked, they could only crack one, the first one. And it didn't tell anybody who he was. But I think the Zodiac is one of the most pathetic serial killers because, first of all, he had to give himself his own. He wanted to be like a superhero. You know, there's other, other serial killers let's say like Jeffrey Dahmer who obviously is a horrible human being <laughs> he ate and murdered murdered and ate 19 men right so I mean that's not you know he's not one of the top guys I'm not trying to say that I'm not trying to say that I look I think Jeffrey Dahmer is a legend what I'm saying is with Jeffrey Dahmer the murders and the eating and the necrophilia and all that was a compulsion it was like he had to do it there was something wrong with his fucked up brain that made him go out and do that he had to do it he used to have to get drunk to be able to do it but it was like a compulsion right it was something he he felt he couldn't help i mean he probably could help but it was do you know what i mean it was a drive for him to do it the zodiac didn't have that he didn't have like a need to have sex with you know corpses or whatever he just went out and wanted to be famous. He just killed people so that he could write letters to the... And that's fucking pathetic. What a sad bastard. He was just some nerd living in a fucking room by himself that just wanted to be in the newspapers. Sad bastard. And he fucking gave himself a name, the Zodiac. And he, he, was, he had a little costume and everything. Like he wanted to be a fucking supervillain in a comic book. The Zodiac. Like he's somebody the Batman would fight. Um, but anyway, I fucking stayed up way too late trying to solve the Zodiac on my phone on Reddit. As if after 40 years of not knowing who he is, <laughs> you know, some fucking guy in Dublin, in Ireland, in 2020 is going to solve it in his underpants using only his phone that's going the battery's running out hey hey uh hey uh, agent mahoney 
chief inspector of the FBI. Listen, we just got a fucking crack. We just cracked the Zodiac case. Who cracked it? Some fucking guy on his phone. As if that's going to happen. And I would spend hours at it. That is something that I need to do. I, Whenever I need to do something like proper in my life, like work on writing or do something like that or clean my house, my brain goes into overload and it starts saying, you know what, I'm going to solve the JonBenet Ramsey case. <laughs> Which, by the way, I believe was done by an intruder. That was done by an intruder, Zodiac's a cunt, and um, John F. Kennedy was killed by... Lee Harvey Oswald. So I've basically spent multiple hours of my life confirming the official stories. What a waste of time. Anyway, I'm rambling on a bit now. So my point is, don't fucking try and solve a murder case on your phone. Don't go out on date nights. And if you're going to fail your leaving cert, just, you know, stay in bed for a few years smoking weed. Tell your mom to listen to this podcast. Tell her that it all worked out for me. <laughs> So it's going to work out for you. Okay. Um, so, you know, if you want to support the show, you can, it's like a five or a month. Gives me uh, time to, or not time, it gives me motivation to keep going. Um, it's on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Shane's Brilliant Podcast. And you can sign up there if you want to help and support the show. And so until next week, I will talk to you next Wednesday or Thursday. May God have mercy on our souls. Cheers, cheers, nice one. Thanks and hobnob. All the best. I love you. Uh, goodbye. <laughs>